You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. continue ministering on healing. I started this a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord has instructed me to stay on this until he tells me to not be on it anymore. But um, I started talking about just basically the fundamentals of healing, and I feel like I could put fundamental in front of everything that I teach, because I'm just, I'm all about the fundamentals, the foundations, because if we don't have the foundation right, nothing else will work right, amen? And so I sometimes I feel like I'm a foundation doctor, like I'm always going and looking and being like, what are we believing here? What are we thinking here? What, how are we viewing this? Let's make sure it's in alignment with the Word and the Lord and who He is and all of that stuff. And so healing is one of those things that I've been uh, operating in it for a long time myself, and I don't know everything. I'll be the first to tell you I don't know everything about healing, but I know a pretty good amount, and I've got uh, gidgads. That's my new word. I have gidgads of scripture verses to give you, and I did two weeks ago, and I'm going to continue giving you more this week and all of the weeks to come, and my goal is to completely come against not any person, but against religious thinking that has caused us to believe different than what the Word of God says. Because when it comes down to it, you know, God has, and, and I brought this in here so I could read this, so I would say it just right. This was something I printed up and it was a bunch of healing scriptures, and it says, uh, how do we know, and because foundation or fundamental number one that I started talking about and continue talking about, is that it is always God's will to heal. Always. And I've, I've been proving that, and I will continue to prove it from the word. And so how do we know whether it's God's will to heal us or not? And then this is something somebody wrote, and I love this. And he says, it makes little difference what others say about it. What does he say about it? That's what it always comes down to. What does God say about things? And I, I wish I had time to teach on this, but, you know, Christians... I'll say every person really has a philosophy, and you might not be a philosopher, but you are a, you have a philosophy. You know, back in the day, uh, there was uh, two main philosophical uh, patterns and teachings that were going through the land during Paul's day were the Epicureans and the Stoics, and you've heard the term like that person's really Stoic, meaning they're like really reserved and just pull back and they don't show a lot of expression. And that was stoicism. And then Epicureanism is, it was like the opposite. Like everything about life was all about emotion and feeling and having experience. And that was the whole point of life versus stoicism. It was like emotions and feelings are not involved, but it's just all about, you know, it's just all about truth. It's all about what you know, and it doesn't matter how you feel. And there's an actually, and those were total, uh, carnal or uh, secular viewpoints, but those same viewpoints actually kind of have carried throughout uh, people and stuff for a, for a long time. And I'm not trying to hit on those particular things, but my point is, is back in the day, there were philosophers who gave uh, thought patterns that people adopted philosophies based on what they taught. And a philosophy is a way that you think. It's a way you see something. And so in modern times, and we wouldn't necessarily call them philosophers, but we have people that have been leading churches for a long time, and it's time their reign come to an end, and they've been teaching people really weird philosophy. You know, Jesus said, 
He didn't say, come and think. He said, come and drink. And sometimes people come to church and they wake up in the morning and they go through their day and they just think and think and think and think and think and think. And the Lord's like, look, I'm a person. Come to me. Enjoy me. Spend time with me. Pray with me. Talk with me. Listen to me. Amen. But there, is all, there are all kinds of things that have, have gone on that have caused people to grab hold of a, of a philosophy, a filter, in a way they view things. So, for example, I could say, I could say, you know, God loves the whole world. And depending on what you've heard concerning God's love for the whole world, you could have 10 different people view that statement in 10 different ways. And you could, you could say that, you know, uh, uh, Jesus died for sinners. I mean, you could throw all kinds of things in there. And people could view that differently based on the, the filter or the philosophy and how they process information. And you say, why are you talking about this? Because this is exactly what we see with healing, particularly physical healing. So when we talk about it, and, and I've been around long enough, and I've run enough people off with this, that I understand how, how dicey it gets for people. And I've always, and sometimes when, I have, when I've had people come against me and they'll say this, that, and the other, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it sounds unhumble, but I am humble. And I'm always willing to come back and say, okay, Lord, if I'm missing something, you show it to me from your word because I only want to believe what your word says and not something that Kent has come up with. Because there is no... There is no truth or freedom in what Kent can come up with or what you can come up with, but it's what God says in his word. And so I'll go back and say, okay, Father, you just show me. There, these people are coming against, and they said this, that, and the other. Show me. Is there any truth in what they're saying? And if there is any truth in what they're saying, God will reveal it to me. But ultimately, what I come back and find all the time is that God's word has always been true and will always been, be true. He's the same yesterday today and forever. And if things were true in Jesus' day, they are just as true today because God's word never changes. Hebrews chapter 13, I think it's in verse 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says that I am the Lord and I'm the Lord who changes not. And you say, well, what's the difference between the Old and New Testament? Because it seemed like he changed there to me. Well, he changed how he related to people, but God's heart has always been the same. It's for blessing, for increase, for help, for protection, for healing, for all the good stuff that's always been God's heart for people, always. That's never changed, ever throughout time. And so we can go and really, and not to go back and hit on what I talked about last time, but Jesus was, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse or chapter 1 and verse 3, that he was the express image of the Father, which means that he was an exact copy. So when you saw the Father, or when you saw Jesus, and we read about Jesus, and we read about what he did and who he was, the miracles he performed, and how he loved people, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. Because when you're looking at Jesus, it's not, it's not like, oh, it's just one little, one little part about God, but there's all of these other things about who God is that Jesus didn't reflect. So you can't really get the full picture of God by looking at Jesus. No, Jesus was the full, complete, exact copy of who God the Father really is. We never saw Jesus refuse to heal anybody. He never put 
uh, uh, sickness on anybody. He never allowed anybody to be sick. None, you don't see any of that kind of stuff happen. But what you did see is that Jesus over and over and over and over, he met people right where they were at and gave them what they need because that's what a healer does. That's what a good God does. And that's the God that we serve. Amen. And so I want to say this. So continuing down the track of just talking about the fact that healing is always God's will. It's always God's will for people to be healed. That, that right there gets, and, and I want to be careful because when I say it slaps religion in the face, there could be people watching online or maybe even some in this room that you would say, I actually don't always believe that it's God's will for people to be healed. So I wouldn't be trying to slap you in the face personally, just what you believe. Because if you believe that, that's not accurate with what the word teaches concerning the nature, the character, and the truth about who we are, who God is, and what he wants for our life. And I like what Brother Andrew says, and he's got, always got these, these great uh, things that are, are offensive but funny. And he says, you know, I would agree with you, but if I did that, we would both be wrong. Amen. So for anybody that would say, well, I don't think it's always God's will to heal, uh, I would just say the same thing, that I would agree with you, but I won't because I don't want to be wrong too. Amen. I'm trying to be funny, but also make a point that we have to see things differently, but we have to let our guard down. And, you know, I, I was just praying about this this past week, and I was thinking, Lord, why are people so often, and I'm not talking about you guys, I know that you're, you're awesome, you're the cream of the crop, but why are people so hard-nosed about certain things, in, particularly, in particular healing, because you can find, from Genesis to Revelation, you can find God healing people. The only time you found God putting, putting or allowing sickness on people was under the curse, was under the law. And it was, it was a response to God punishing people. And I'm going to get into talking about that, probably not today, but next week, about how God doesn't use sickness to punish us. And I can, I'm going to prove it to you from the word. But I was just thinking, like, Lord, why is it that people are so hard-nosed against just believing that it's always God's will for people to be healed? And I, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me so clearly, and he said, most people at one point did. But they took a verse they tried to apply it, it didn't work, and then they got mad at God. They prayed, they didn't see it, and they said, well, this just doesn't work like this, and, or God didn't want to heal me, or God didn't want to heal my mom, they lost the person, or whatever it was, and then they find themselves going and creating doctrines based off of circumstance and experience and not from the Word of God. Their philosophy got developed based on experience and not based on truth. Oh my gosh, if we base our philosophy, the way that we think, the way that we see the Lord, in particular about healing based off of experience, then for most of us sitting in here, we would never believe what I'm, what I'm telling you right now, which it's always God's will to heal. You know why? Because most of us, probably every one of us in here have prayed, however we prayed and we didn't see the thing come to pass that we believe was supposed to come to pass. Let me just see a show of hands in here. Who has, who has prayed and you've, you prayed for something and it didn't happen? Pretty much every person in the room, amen. And so that's, that's an experience. But does that mean that that experience is, I think indicative is, is the word or uh, is accurate with who God really is? No. Who in here sinned before? Was that... Is that uh, an accurate description of who God wants you to be? No. And if you didn't raise your hand, then now you've said. No, I'm just kidding. So, but you know, you, things happen in life 
that aren't always what God wants. It's not always his best. And we shouldn't take that and say, oh, well, this is, this is really a picture of who God is. And then so then when people can't figure it out, then they just go, you know what? Actually, all of it's completely up to him, and I'm just going to get in the back seat, and just whatever happens, happens. And then they sit in this neutral position. The Bible says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To resist means to actively fight against. How can you be passive and active at the same time? You, the point is you can't be. So when people get into this, this mode of like, hey, just, you know, whatever God wants, whatever, ultimately he's going to decide. If that's the, the position we take, and there are some things that no matter, no matter how we pray or whatever, there are certain things that God has placed within his authority, but healing is not one of them. I'm like four weeks ahead of myself at least. Actually, four points, which is probably eight weeks ahead of myself. But God's given us authority concerning sickness and disease and to release healing into situations. This is why it says that he brought his disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all sickness and over all disease and over all demonic spirits. I said that now I've got to preach my way out of the hole really quickly so you'll stay with me. But there's a law of precedent in the scriptures, meaning when God set a precedent in the word, then it continues throughout the earth. Here's what we know in Genesis, that God spoke the world into existence, correct? And we also know he gave man dominion over the earth, and we know that Adam named all of the animals of the earth. How did he name them? By wiggling his big toes? No. Or, yeah, no, it was by, by speaking, he would call them whatever their name was, that's what that animal became. Why? It's because God had already set a precedent in the earth that things would be in order when the person with the authority spoke. Oh my gosh. I don't think you all heard me. That is so powerful. It was already set, it's a precedent in the earth. You know what a precedent is? You know, we understand this, I think, legally, like when cases are decided, say, in the Supreme Court, and then somebody wants to come and, and do something, if it violates that precedent, then that thing cannot happen because a precedent has already been set. Does that make sense? And it's the exact same way with the laws that God has set up, with the things that God has set up in the earth, where there is precedent, God has already said, it is this way, I just need you to cooperate with it. So when Adam, he brought the animals before Adam and Adam named them, that's what the animals be, became. And how did he do it? Again, it was because he spoke it out of his mouth. Who has authority in the earth right now? Is it God sitting on the throne in heaven or is it us here on the earth? The Bible very clearly depicts in multiple places that he has given authority to us, the believers, the disciples. So if things are not happening then we don't need to go to God, God, why aren't you doing something? God, what is wrong? And get on all that stuff. We say, Lord, we see that this isn't happening here. Maybe I need to understand something, but this thing does not have authority over me. I have authority over it, and I'm going to exercise my authority by speaking your word out of my mouth. True? 100% true. Amen. So let me go back and continue talking about how, the, how it is always God's will to heal. And I want to make this point here that I think is really good and is essential to understanding this and really combating a lot of wrong theology, wrong philosophy that we have learned. And again, some things have not been taught to us 
intentionally, but it's been picked up. I, you pr- probably nobody has been in a church in their life where someone told you, uh, God is bad. If they did, you probably wouldn't have stayed there. But yet what has happened is that certain bad things have happened, and then they've said, well, actually, this is what God wanted for you in your life. And the line has been blurred between what is bad and what is good. So I'm here today to help you untangle that mess and rightly divide what is good and what is bad. Amen. And let me tell you one thing that is always good, and that's God. And nobody would debate that, and I hear amens, and every one of you could amen that. It's true. But why is it that we would ascribe bad things as coming from a good God? Because last time I checked, him and the devil, and there's people that actually believe that they are, but this, that's nonsense. Uh, him and the devil are not in cahoots with each other. They're not wor- Satan is not God's messenger boy. God's messenger boys are Gabriel and Michael, and Lucifer used to be, but he no longer is. He's got those two messengers, and he's got his messengers who have been redeemed in the form of five-fold ministry on the earth and different people that carry his word and whatever. Those are his messengers in the earth. And if they're declaring the goodness of God, they're giving the right message. If they're declaring something that's wrong, they're giving the wrong message, and they don't represent the Lord properly. He is a good God who only gives good things. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Let's pull this verse up here and look at this. James 1 and 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The good stuff comes from God. And I always wondered, why does it say light there? Like, who in here calls? Who in here prays and you're like, oh, Father of lights? Like, nobody says that, right? So I always wonder, like, why is that there? It's because it says that Jesus was the light and the light was the life of men, So when you're talking about every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, it's describing where our life comes from, not death. Sickness is a result of death. It's not a result of life. It's not a byproduct of life. It's a byproduct of death. And so the first question I want to ask with this about the fact that healing is good Is Jesus good? And of course, we said, yes. Let me ask you this. Is healing good? And we can prove this from the word. Yes, it is. Just as you said, it is good. And we can prove this in the word over and over and over. But you can also prove it just by how people respond to sickness. You will, will, I mean, unless you found somebody, honestly, unless you found somebody who who was probably severely demonized, you're not going to find anybody that doesn't fight against sickness. They don't fight against any kind of brokenness, any kind of issues in their, in their life, particularly in their, in their physical body. People will spend any amount of money. They will do anything. You ever been in, in pain before and knew if you could just get to the drugstore or whatever it was that it would help alleviate the pain? You, you'd go in the middle of the night. You would, spend, you would spend $100 if it should only cost $5. You don't care. You'll do whatever's necessary to alleviate that pain in your life. It is in human beings' nature to fight against sickness. And you know why? It's because our bodies were not designed to die. They were designed to live forever. And this is actually why God 
kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, it wasn't because he was mad at them. It was because he said that they, they couldn't come back in and that he, he put a, uh, a barrier there that would keep them out so that they wouldn't eat of the tree of life and live forever. And I look at that as the mercy of God because do you want to live forever in the, the condition the world is in? I don't. I mean, if you want to, more power to you. I look forward to someday when I'm really old to lay my head down at night in a perfect, healthy condition and say, Jesus, I'm ready. And he says, your, your job's done. Come on home. That's how, that's how I'm looking and believing for things to happen. Amen. So I don't want to live in this life forever, but as long as I am living here, I want to be healthy. And it's, in, it's embedded in us. We were created in the image of God. It's embedded in us to seek after being healed or made well or made whole. And anything that would come against it, it's a natural response that we want to get the thing fixed. Nobody has to tell you, oh, you're sick. You should want to feel better. Oh, really? I didn't know I should want to feel better. Thank you. I, I, I really am going to start thinking I should feel better. I thought this was normal. No, it's intuitive inside of us. We know we automatically want to feel better when something doesn't feel right. So it's already inside of every human being. Why would the creator turn his back on his creation and say, actually, I want you to hang out in that thing. Actually, I'm going to tell you that you have to be in the thing that it created you to not be in. It just doesn't, it just doesn't even make any sense. It's so, it's so, this is so simple when you just look at it from a basic human perspective, how God made human beings, but also from a word perspective. God is good. Sickness is bad and healing is good. You will never find any place, even in the old covenant, when God would put sickness on people because they disobeyed and the, the, the curse of the law would come upon them. It was never a blessing. It was always a curse. But religion nowadays, it's like, you know, well, somebody's sick and they've been sick for 10 years. And it's like, well, you know, God's just getting glory. He's not getting glory out of that. Come on now. You say, well, somebody got saved because of my testimony. Praise God. You took a rotten situation and you took it and, and, and made lemon out of lemonade, but it doesn't mean that God wanted you to be sick or to have that nasty disease, whatever it is. We have to be able to separate out. He is a good God, and we are redeemed from the curse of the law. For every, every person who hangs on a tree is cursed. And when Jesus hung on the tree, the curse of the law for what we didn't do right and what we did do wrong was all placed upon him so that we don't have to live underneath of that anymore. So that the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. And the blessing of Abraham was not only righteousness, but all of the benefits of a relationship with the Lord through faith in him. Oh my gosh, this is, I'm preaching myself really happy. Because if you're not getting anything, I know you are, but uh, like, I'm really glad to hear this myself. This is amazing. It is so simple. It takes religion to help people misunderstand it. If you could just take a person and give them the Bible and just leave them alone for a while, they would believe a whole lot better than how they believe sitting in most churches. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just telling you what I've experienced over the years. And you say, well, why would people fight so hard against this? Who wants to be told that the way that they've been believing for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years is wrong? 
It's the pride of man to say, no, no, I'm, I'm right. I know. Okay. Believe what you want. Let's go back and see what the word says. There's something in people that, that, need, that must be broken to say, actually, it's possible that I haven't been believing things that are right. There's a delicate balance that's there. I'm not easily, uh, let's see, let me say this right. I am um, not easily, I'm teachable, but I'm not easily persuaded. So if I'm wrong about something, then anybody can come and bring me the word and show it to me from the word. And if the word says it, not, not one scripture verse. You can't build doctrine from one verse. You build doctrine from all kinds of verses and you get the whole thing and you put it together. But if anybody can show me something in the word that where I'm believing wrong, I will immediately humble myself and say, Lord, I've been believing wrong. You are right and I am wrong. But you're gonna have a hard time moving me off of something if I'm convinced of it from the word. I'm not easily persuaded with things. It always comes back to the word. And you know where that's left me? It's left me teachable to where God can always get through to me with things. Because there's, there's things we all believe, and we thought five years ago was right or 10 years ago was right, and it's like, well, not really. I didn't really see that quite right. The Lord needs to make an adjustment here. And so it's good to be teachable, but the things he has revealed to us, we don't move, we don't move off of it. You know, I was thinking about this, why I'm so passionate about, about physical healing. And, and, I was just, and I just asked the Lord, because I've just been passionate about it for a, a long time. And I was asking the Lord, why am I? And it was just like the Lord said to me, he said, when you got healed for the first time and it came from you operating in accordance with the word, it ruined you. And I said, you know what? It did ruin me. It's pretty hard when somebody has an experience with the Lord in his word because they obeyed the word and they saw the results of the word. It's pretty impossible to take that away from somebody. And I have had multitudes, I could say multitudes of people that have received healing, some kind of manifestation, sometimes some full out, right out, full blown miracles, undeniable. I've seen stuff for years and years and years. You can't take this away from me. So then when you go and look at the word, it's like, uh, actually, my experience lines up with the word. I'm really going to go with what the word says. It works. The word works. But we have to know that, man, God is good. Healing is good. It's never bad. It's never been bad. Sickness is something that is bad. Look here in Mark chapter 3. And actually, let's, before we do that, let's go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Man, I'm moving slow through my notes, but that's what the Lord told me to do. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Notice it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. If sickness was uh, a good thing, why didn't, why didn't it say, and healing was bad, why didn't it say that Jesus went about doing good, leaving people in their current miserable conditions because they needed to suffer in the likeness of Christ so that they could learn something really valuable and two people would get saved through their suffering? Because I can tell you now, that's a lot of the doctrine I hear pe being peddled these days. They take the suffering of Christ and they take verses like, I think it's in 1 Peter where it talks about that, that when we're, we're suffered with him, we'll be glorified with him, those kind of things. The suffering of Christ is not about living underneath of sickness. It's about living in a world that will hate us because of who we believe in. 
That's the suffering that we relate to him in, and that, that is true. But you have to understand something. God will never lead you into something he's redeemed you from. You can write that down. He will never lead you into something or allow something or cause something he has redeemed you from. I no more believe that God would lead you into sickness than he would lead you into sin. That's some strong language right there. But that is the gospel truth. You know why? Because he took stripes on his back for our physical healing. And you say, that was only spiritual healing. It was all kinds of healing, if you ask me, but very, it, very particularly, it was physical healing because in Matthew, it says in, in Isaiah, it says that he carried our griefs and our sorrows and by his stripes we're healed. I'm paraphrasing that. When you jump over to Matthew chapter 8 and you have to look in, in the Hebrew in Isaiah to see that it's talking about physical pain and sickness, but if you don't understand Hebrew, you can just jump over and look in Matthew chapter 8 and around verse 16, 17, somewhere in there, and it says uh, that he, well, let's read it because I'm not, let's, can we pull that up there? Matthew chapter 8, start around verse 16, Matthew 8, 16. I know that's a curveball. I didn't give you that. Matthew 8 and 16. And let's look at this here, and we can see it with our own eyes. Yeah, it's Matthew 8 and 16. Look at this. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He goes ahead and he translates it into normal language where we can just read it plain as day. So for the people that would say, oh, the stripes on his back, it was, just, it was just emotional. It was just because, you know, we would have family problems and we would need healing. In our I believe that. We've got brokenness all over in this world. All kinds of things need healing. But if you're going to be honest with the scriptures, when it says that it, was spoke, that it would be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that he himself took our infirmities and our diseases, our infirmities and sicknesses, going back to the one before, it says that he healed people who were sick. Physical, sick people. That's what Jesus healed. And it says that this was a fulfillment of that prophecy, that he came to heal people that were sick. And it wasn't just emotional or spiritual healing. It was physical healing. Man, that's awesome. Let's look at Mark chapter 3, and then we're going to close with this. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Mark chapter 3 and verse 1. Are you all still with me? Are you alive? Hallelujah. And I, I love this. Mark 3 and 1, it says, And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. <laughs> Listen to these words. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath. They weren't asking like, is Jesus going to be able to heal anybody? That wasn't a question. They had already seen enough of Jesus healing people. That, that, was, that was no longer a question. It's whether is he going to heal on the Sabbath because they wanted to be able to trip him up and accuse him of breaking the law and all these things. Uh, so that they might accuse him was the reason they were asking this. Verse 3, and it says, And he, he said to the man who had the, the withered hand, Step forward. Then he said to him, it is, it is lawful on the Sabbath to do... Is it lawful? Excuse me. On the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they kept silent. As the story goes on, 
course, he healed the man, but the question begs. And Jesus points it out here. If we're talking about whether sickness is actually good or not, Jesus answers the question right there. Is it lawful to do good? Most people would just say, oh, well, it would be good to just pray and see if God will do something. Jesus didn't pray and say, Father, will you heal? If you go on to verse 5, he says, stretch out your hand. And the man's hand was restored just like the other one. There was no question what was good. Jesus made it very abundantly plain what was good, and it was healing. It wasn't sickness. Is this reaching some of y'all? Is this making sense? Man, I've got gidgads. I love the new word, gidgads. I have gidgads of verses that I want to go to to show you this. But we have to just be willing to peel back the layers of things that we have believed and things that we have thought that have, that have captivated our heart. And see, this is something we can't be double-minded in. And I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Probably, I think every person in this room probably has got some kind of an understanding of what I'm saying. And you, you might believe this, you might not. But if we are double-minded in this, then the Bible says we're unsta- a double-minded man is unstable in all, all of his ways. Let not that man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. So if, if the Lord has something for us, and he does, he has healing. Actually, he's already given it to us, but that's fundamental number two. But anyways, if, you know, he has, he has healing, and it's for us, if we're double-minded in that, we're going to have a tough time, an impossible time getting the right results in our life. But because, see, when people pray, they're often praying and say, you know, Lord, if it be your will. Well, that's in a, that's in a neutral position. If everything was God's will, why did he give us a sword? I'll say it over here and see if it'll... If everything was God's will, why did he give us a sword? It's to chop the devil's head off in every situation where he doesn't belong. That's the answer. Amen. Man, this is awesome stuff. I love this. And some, uh, some people would say, and, you know, I've heard people say things just kind of like, well, we'll just believe in, we'll just believe in salvation. It's really most important that people get saved, and healing is just kind of, if they get healed, fine, but if they not, you know, if they don't, it doesn't matter. I, I don't, I can't agree with that because Jesus didn't preach that. He didn't say that. And from what I can tell, he paid for healing at the exact time and with the exact same amount, his blood, as he did for our sins to keep us out of hell and to keep us in right relationship with him. It's all the same. He bled eight times, and every one of those times he bled was for part of the redemption that we needed in our life. One of those things that needed redeemed was our physical bodies as long as we are alive here on this earth. So I'm going to be in full agreement with Jesus and what he says. I'm going to be in full agreement and move and, and believe and act on what he says. That's the best way. And it would be like, and if I could, could we have the prayer team come up and the worship team come up? And man, we're going to continue to just act in faith and pray and receive hallelujah. Hang with me for one more minute here. If somebody gave you a million bucks and you came to them and you said, thank you for the million dollars, but actually, I really only want 250000 of it. <laughs> I mean, do you, th- do you think that however that person came across 
that money, let's say it's an honest way they didn't steal it or anything. They worked hard for it, believed God for it, whatever. And that money was given to you and it was put in a bank account. And they said, look, here's the, here's the, the password, your name's on it, whatever. You can just go and access that one, that $1 million and you can do anything. It's yours, paid for, done, all yours. You don't owe me anything for it, but it's all yours. And you said, thanks, but I'm going to leave 750 grand in there because I really only want 250 grand. You'd, you'd, be, you'd be nuts, <laughs> amen? You'd be crazy. But this is what people do with all of the blessing that the Lord has given us. And we hear, I hear these things going around where people say things like, oh, well, those, those prosperity preachers and those faith healers, they just, you know, they just think that life is all about getting things from God. And it's like, well, it's really all about surrendering your life to the Lord. But once you do that, you position yourself to receive all of his benefits, so why would you deny something that God wants you to have? It just doesn't make any sense. This is why you see the prodigal son. He was out. He was wrong. He was doing bad stuff, all of that. And he came back in, and the father was waiting for him with open arms, open arms, welcomed him back in. And did he stick him in the servants' quarters and say, you know, here's some jalopy, and you eat that? No, he put a robe on his back. He put a ring on his finger. He killed the fatted calf. God's arm's not too short. And if for him to bless us, for him to bless us doesn't detract from what our position should be in him, which is just to love him no matter what we have materialistically, health-wise, anything like that. I would say to anybody, if you're dealing with the situation and you're not grateful and you're grumbling and complaining, stop that. <laughs> Just love God no matter what. But let's believe him for his best. I mean, if he paid for it, let's believe him for his best. Let's partake of everything that he has to offer. Hallelujah. We just need to break the, the back of religion. Break the back of wrong thinking about who God is. He's a loving God. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He'll never withhold any good thing from us. He never will. Don't let your circumstance determine what you're going to believe. Let God determine. Let God's word determine what you're going to believe. Let his nature determine what you're going to believe. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.